the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Factors not available in all states. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Yesterday, Pastor Michael Oxentanko started a message called The Mountain Lamb. We'll complete that message here today. We hope that you've been enjoying these messages. You can always give us a call at any time at the following phone number, 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Just tell us what you think of the broadcast and how we can help you. Again, 877-788-5371. I'll have that information and more at the close of our broadcast today. So please stay with us for just a minute or so after Pastor Mike's message. Let's get underway with the conclusion to The Mountain Lamb. And here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. So here we see the sign of the covenant is circumcision. But we will learn in this verse that the covenant itself is circumcision. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. In Exodus 31, 13, the Sabbath is the sign of the covenant that makes us holy unto God. But in Exodus 31, 16, the Sabbath is also everlasting covenant. It's both a sign of the covenant and it is covenant. Circumcision was both the sign of the covenant and the covenant as well. In Exodus 31, 16, and 17, the Sabbath is called a sign of the everlasting covenant. So what is the everlasting covenant and what is its sign? In Deuteronomy 4.16, the Bible is very clear that God gave his covenant. It says the Ten Commandments, and they were placed on tables of stone. In the Hebrew, it says the Ten Words, meaning the Ten Commandments. Essentially, that was his covenant. In 2 Samuel 6.2, when the Ark of the Covenant that held the Ten Commandments was moving along, the Bible is very clear that they called the Ark of the Covenant, they called it by the name of the Lord. And the name for the Lord is Yahweh. So whenever they saw the box with the Ten Commandments, they say, Yahweh, Yahweh. Because they recognized the law inside the box could not be separated from the God that was enthroned over the cherubim. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence, was the Ark of God's law, and they called that box by the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord and the covenant are the same thing. In Deuteronomy 6, 8, right after the Ten Commandments are given a second time, repeated for that generation that moves into the Promised Land, the great commandment is given, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. The law of God is one commandment because God is one. The ten are one. They come from the one who is love. And the great fulfilling of the law is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our might. So in Deuteronomy 6.8, as soon as the great commandment summarizes the Ten Commandments, the Bible says these words mean the Ten Commandments, the covenant given at Sinai, shall be in your hand 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes on your forehead. Now that's exactly where the mark of the beast goes. It goes in the hand and the forehead. Why? Because the mark of the beast issue at the end is an attack upon the everlasting covenant. It is an attack upon the holy law of God. It is an attack upon the name of God. And that's why we have the name of the beast, the mark of the beast. And that's why we have the attack on the first four commandments in Revelation 13 and 14. Friend, God's name is eternal. And God's name is the same thing as God's law. God's name, which is God's law, because God's law describes who he is. And an ancient name described who you were. When you received a name, it was inspired. It described the character of the person who had the name. God's name has ten succinct words within it, the Ten Commandment Law of God. And it is the everlasting covenant. As soon as the seventh day Sabbath appears in Genesis 2 on the seventh day, as soon as the creation covenant is instituted in Genesis 2, 4, the covenant name Yahweh appears for the very first time in the Bible. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth in the day the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, made the heavens and the earth. The Sabbath is a sign of God's name, which is the everlasting covenant. According to the book of Hebrews, this is the very covenant that required the blood of Jesus on the cross to atone for sin. Turn to Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of what covenant? What does it say? By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the question arises, how is the Sabbath the sign of the everlasting covenant? According to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. I mean, you can argue all day long. You can say, well, the first day of the week is the Sabbath. You can't get that from your Bible. You can manipulate your Bible, but it doesn't hold. The Church of Rome knows it doesn't hold. The most ancient church in Christian tradition in the Middle Ages, prior to the apostolic church, knows that that's not true. And so if you're an evangelical Christian, you have that line of argument. The greatest scholars in the Catholic faith know you're just playing with ideas. It's not true. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. The word seven means seven in Hebrew, but sometimes it means something else. Seven has a dual meaning. And the key to understanding is Genesis 21. Take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis 21. Look at verse 27. Here's a covenant that Abraham made with Abimelech, a covenant that Abraham made, and it's instructive in this discussion. The Bible says, So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Now, how many of you see that in verse 27? They made a covenant. Raise your hand. See it? Go down to verse 28. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set apart? Now, look at verse 30. He said, these seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand that you may be a witness for me that I did what? That I dug the well. So the seven ewe lambs served as a sign that he was the creator of the well, that he dug the well. Look at verse 31. Therefore that place was called Beersheba because there both of them swore and what's the reason given? An oath. Now, why did they call it Beersheba? Now, if you look in your Bible margin... Some Bibles will say, well of the oath. 
But other Bible margins will say, well of the seven. And some will say, well of the seven or well of the oath, because it could go either way. The reason for that is very clear. The word seven, which is part of Beersheba, has two meanings in Hebrew. It can mean seven, the number seven, but it's also the root word for oath. The seventh day is the oath day. And an oath in the context is a covenant. Genesis 12, 31, the Bible says, Abraham and Abimelech swore an oath. Genesis 21, 32, it says they made a covenant. The word oath and covenant are used interchangeably. It's the same idea. Genesis 21, 32, so they made a covenant at Beersheba. They swore an oath. They made a covenant. Well of the seven means well of the oath. Now, what does that mean? It means the number seven indicates an oath or covenant is in place. Seven ewe lambs became the sign that Abraham dug the well, that they had a covenant there, that he was the creator of the well, and that it belonged to him. In the context, the number seven is inextricably connected to the oath and covenant. Friend, the Bible teaches that you did not come from a primordial pool of muck. You did not come from some evolutionary process of pain and suffering that somehow brought you into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In seven days, he forged it, he made it, he terraformed it. He created all that is. He dug the well of the world. And in the beginning, God made a covenant. God left a sign that he dug the well of the world, and he made all that is. How many of you today are ashamed of God as the creator? I hope you don't raise your hand. How many of you are pleased that God is the creator? Raise it high. There you go. Now you can raise your hand. That's right. Well, do you realize if you're ashamed of the seventh-day Sabbath, you are, in fact, ashamed of the Creator? If you know what we're talking about here, why? Because you're denying what he's teaching. And no amount of feeling, no amount of manipulating God's Word will change the fact that when you deny the truth revealed to you in Scripture, you are not honoring God. Now, friend, we have all denied him. How many of you ever denied the Lord? I have denied the Lord in my life. I don't want to. But should we not, with our conscious effort, pray not to do that? The Sabbath is not an issue that can be ignored in end-time events. The book of Revelation will not let this happen. It must be addressed. It must be addressed with the heart, the mind, and the soul because it is tied to God's everlasting covenant. The seventh-day Sabbath is the sign that God dug the well. It's a sign that he made us and that we belong to him. And according to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath is the seventh day. The number seven means oath, and it indicates God made a promise. God made an oath. The seventh day Sabbath was the promised day and the covenant day when God gave the oath that is eternal in nature, that was ratified by the blood of Christ at the cross of Calvary. That's why Moses says without apology, the Sabbath is an expression of the everlasting covenant. In Genesis 2.1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. Friend, the Sabbath is the sign of the everlasting covenant. It is the creation covenant, but it serves as the sign of the eternal covenant of God's name. It was there in Eden, It was in the mind of Jesus at the cross. It was ratified by the blood of Jesus. 
God promised the human race rest, holiness, and a finished work by grace. The Sabbath is about these things. The Sabbath is, in this context, the sign of righteousness by faith that comes through the Creator and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Legalism is the act of doing something instead of accepting God's finished work for you. It's trying to add something to God's Word so that you can improve upon it so God will accept you. When people force the first day of the week to be the fourth commandment of the Decalogue, when they replace the first day of the week, altering the very word of God at Sinai, and they take away the seventh day and they make it the first day, they are imposing a legalistic invention on the beautiful finished work of God in Jesus. Before God ever sent Adam and Eve out to do one day of work, he promised them rest, holiness, and a finished work on the seventh day. The Sabbath teaches that we are finished by faith before we start. When Jesus was dying on the cross of Calvary, when he was dying on Mount Calvary, he was the mountain lamb. He didn't forget the promise that was made from eternity in the past. He didn't forget what he himself spoke from Mount Sinai. He did not forget the blessing of God in creation. It's not operating in a vacuum. His mind searched for just the right thing to say before he died that would express the nature of his work, that would seal the everlasting covenant and so that the blood of the eternal covenant would be understood in the context of the Holy Scriptures. And he went all the way back to Genesis. He went all the way back to the covenant name of God in Genesis 2-4. He went to the seventh day and he remembered the everlasting covenant of which the Sabbath is a sign can never be replaced by human invention that was so immutable that he had to die for it. And he remembered his eternal promise to the children of Adam, to himself and God. John 19.30, Jesus quoted Genesis 2.1 on the cross as the last word of creation at the cross. He said, it is finished. On the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. At the cross, he finished his work, which he had promised on the seventh day. And he rested on the seventh day according to the Gospel of Luke in accordance with the commandment. And friend, we are holy only because Jesus is holy. We are holy only because that everlasting covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus. The Sabbath does not make you holy. Jesus makes you holy. Friend, if you walk away from that day and all that God has promised you in it, knowing what the Bible teaches, you can't be holy. Because there will be no one admitted to that kingdom willfully sets aside part of the everlasting covenant, God's holy law. The Sabbath is the sign of the everlasting covenant that Jesus ratified with his blood as the mountain lamb on Mount Calvary. In a way, the Bible is a tale of three mountains. Mount Sinai, he spoke his covenant. Mount Calvary, he died because we broke it. Mount Zion, He will defend his covenant at the end of time and rescue his people from danger. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. In Revelation 13, the lamb-like beast will attack the first command that commands us to worship God alone. The lamb-like beast will lead the whole world to worship the beast from the sea that is resurrected on Sunday as Antichrist. Number two, the lamb-like beast will attack the second commandment and build an image to the beast from the sea. Number three, the lamb-like beast will attack the third commandment and reverence the name of the beast instead of God's holy name. 
And number four, the lamb-like beast will attack the fourth commandment. God's Sabbath, which is his sign, the sign of the eternal covenant, he will institute the mark of the beast, a counterfeit Sabbath to attack the integrity of God's everlasting covenant in Jesus. Only God can make you holy. Only God can fix the mess of your life with a finished work. The lamb-like beast and the beast from the sea will offer a human invention from tradition instead of the truth that comes from God's word. Friend, the seventh-day Sabbath is not an option at the end of time. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's not an option. It becomes the test that will divide the Christian world and bring Jesus back to this planet. Why? Because it's just like the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You either trust God and you eat the right fruit, or you disobey God and you eat the wrong fruit. But in this case, we have a lot more information. We know what it is. It is the sign of the everlasting covenant of the constitution of the universe, of God's promise to love his people to never leave them, to bring Jesus to Calvary's cross, to deny it knowing this is treason against God. And we are living at the end of time when large segments of the Christian church will commit treason against the constitution of the universe. How do I know this to be true? I have friends here who have stood for this truth in other congregations that they have left, who have been persecuted because they have taken a stand for Bible truth, and their friends have distanced themselves from them. They have accused them of these attitudes when they are lifting up the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and those friends have not allowed them to give a conscientious hearing from the Word of God. You can't tell me that's an honest perspective. Seventh-day Sabbath is a sign that God loves his people. It's a sign of the gospel. The mark of the beast has to be a false Sabbath, which stands in opposition to the true Sabbath. According to the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast will be a false Sabbath enforced by law in the United States of America, designed to bring this nation back to God, but it will in fact bring it to the beast from the sea. It will not bring this nation back to God. Now, I could see how something like that would happen. There's a lot of complaints in our country today. This country just sliding down. There's got to be something to stop the moral decline. One state after another is passing gay marriage laws. We see the corruption of our children in our school system. And the cry goes out for religion in our country, for faith in our Senate and our White House, for there to be a return to integrity. And only religion can offer such a thing. The book of Revelation says they will turn to a day of worship. They will institute rest that is linked to worship, and it will not work. It will not bring people back to God. It will bring them back to the beast from the sea. Revelation 13, there is a lamb-like beast, but he is not the true lamb. Revelation 14, 1, the true lamb is standing on Mount Zion. He is the mountain lamb. Then I looked, and lo, on Mount Zion stood the lamb. Revelation 14, 1. And with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, what does that mean? It means they have his law written on their foreheads. Here are Christians who love Jesus. They follow Jesus. What is a disciple? Jesus defined it. He called 12 that they might be with him. A disciple is someone who is with Jesus. And friend, those who follow Jesus learn to obey him by faith. Not from legalism, but by faith. And they follow him all the way through end time events up Mount Zion into the presence of God Instead of the mark of the beast, they have his name on their foreheads. They have the everlasting covenant, which is God's law, God's name, which was in the Son of God. 
of whose blood was shed on the cross of Calvary. They followed that lamb up the mountain. I want to stand with that group. Look at verse 2. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpers playing on their harps. And they sing a new song before the throne and before the living creatures and before the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. I mean, this is not the language of legalism. It's the language of redemption. The true lamb is standing on the last mountain with those who follow the lamb wherever he goes. He is standing with those who love the truth, and in their mouth no lie was found. They got the nail out of their head. Unwilling to have an idea that's not found in Scripture in their minds, they get it out. He is standing on the last mountain, and the highest ground is his ground. It is the place to hide when Jesus comes at the end. When the whole world won't work, that mountain will. In Revelation 14, 11, the Bible says the worshipers of the beast have no rest day or night. Now, that's the mark of the beast warning, the third angel's message. The Greek word is anapausis, and it is the constant Greek word in the Septuagint Old Testament and the one reserved in the New Testament for Sabbath rest. And it is very clearly such. Anapausis means to rest again. It's cyclical rest that is renewed by the seventh day. The mark of the beast is the last attempt to remove the everlasting covenant from the Christian world and the world at large. And it will not work. In Revelation 14, 12, the Bible describes the remnant that stands with Jesus on the last mountain. Here it is. I mean, very simple statement. Following Revelation 14, 11, says they have no rest there at night, those worshipers of the beast in his image. And it means Sabbath rest in the Greek. Verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I'm grateful to believe in righteousness by faith. I will not surrender it for anything. If someone comes to you and they tell you that the cross of Christ You were not reconciled to God. They're denying Romans 5. You receive what God has done. You receive this reconciliation. And that's what the faith of Jesus is about. But friend, that final generation will not have some conflict between law and gospel. They will realize that the covenant that gave us Jesus is God's law. And God's law is about mercy and justice. And that is the everlasting covenant. And it required that Jesus die for us because God is mercy and justice. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. As you read the Bible and God's word convicts you of sin, it does me. Don't run from the pain inside your head. Don't ignore the nail that must come out, the idea that doesn't belong there. God dug the well in the beginning. He made the world. He carved it out of nothing to be something. He carved the promise as a sign of the everlasting covenant into the fabric of the seventh day. There is not just holy ground at the end of time. There's holy time. The seventh-day Sabbath is a sign and a seal that you belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus will get you through the mess of sin in the end. I would admonish you, get the nail out of your head before Jesus comes. He's the mountain lamb. He gave the law at Mount Sinai. He died on Mount Calvary. He will deliver you on Mount Zion if you honor his covenant. There is one God. There is one promise. There is one covenant. There is one sign of that covenant one day. And one people in the end who belong to our Savior. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
And in the end, there are two lambs and one mountain. One is an imposter, one is the true lamb, the mountain lamb. Friends, stand with Jesus, the mountain lamb. On the last mountain and dig in. Do not surrender holy ground to the lamb-like beast or the beast from the sea or tradition or anything else. Remember the cross of Calvary, Mount Calvary, and stand with the mountain lamb as my prayer for you and me. Dear Heavenly Father, how simple in a way to have a tree of the knowledge of good and evil at the end of time. A simple test to see if the last generation is willing to obey the word of God by faith or not. And to obey means to have Jesus because faith is obedience. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you the one who gave us the covenant. Thank you for the one who died to keep it. And may we not commit treason at the end of time and fail to keep it, but to be true to the word of God. And Lord, I ask that this message today will be provocative in the minds of honest Christians who love Jesus and who do not yet understand this truth. That they will look deep inside their mind and their conscience and their heart. And they will allow the Word of God to do its work, the Holy Spirit to do its work. And to see if in this one area they are at odds with the everlasting covenant. Father, thank you for loving us in Jesus. May everyone here go out of this place knowing that we've all failed, we've all let you down. The blood of the cross of Calvary was for us. And may they know deep inside that when they are with Jesus, when they have him, there is a sacrifice for every one of those sins. Keep them in the love of God, walking with him, ready for the last day when we stand on Mount Zion with the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. That will conclude the message entitled, The Mountain Lamb. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast again, it's available for you at reachingyourheart.com on the Internet. You can find it under the broadcast schedule. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. If you can help with a contribution, our address is 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And thank you so much for your support. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Until then, don't forget you can listen to all of these messages at reachingyourheart.com. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.